The key is understanding where people are in the stage of awareness. There's so many articles about this online, five stages of awareness. You can find them anywhere. I have something on it on my blog somewhere and you can also read that there. But it's, I think that's, that's the key, understanding where they are. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, guys. Welcome. Today, we have a very important topic, interesting topic, valuable topic about conversion optimization. Because today, I don't care about traffic. I don't care about engagement. If I can't monetize, if I can't get results, for me, it's very important to increase this uh, ratio to get much better results, uh, a lot more sales. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Talia Wolf. How are you? I'm good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting this cold. I've decided that I'm not sick, but my body doesn't really agree with me. So <laughs> I sound a bit funny, but I'm good. Other than that, I'm okay. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, much appreciated that you decided to share value. So cold can't stop you. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, a big pleasure for me as well. Uh, if I love to do something, I usually do. But uh, yeah, it depends, of course, of uh, what kind of cold you have. But um, I see you. You look great. I, I checked your profile. I know about your experience. But uh, can you tell more about your background experience and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you? Of course. Um, so I'm Talia Wolf. Um, I'm the founder of Get Uplift, and um, basically I've been doing conversion optimization for, oh my gosh, more than a decade now. Um, we help brands um, optimize their funnels and their website using emotion and psychology. And we dive deep into understanding how people make decisions to buy, why they buy from you, um, and we use that to create better experiences for people. So that way, you know, when people come to your website, they get the information they want, they get the customer experience they want, they convert more, and the company itself has better numbers, better ROI. Um, I'm a speaker, I do workshops. Um, what else? I'm a mom, um, I have a cold, but, but I, <laughs> you know, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's me. Oh, nice, nice. I love your experience. And um, I want to start uh, with my uh, first question, very important, about collecting data. And um, in most cases, yeah, uh, if we need to create a great landing page that will convert, we need to collect data. We need to learn more about customers. But I usually start from learning products. And let me explain why. For example, um, once I got a payment to help online games, to get better results, uh, 16K for my consulting services. And um, what I started to do to play these games, I didn't learn about customers. I need to understand how I can play these games, why people play these games. And when my son found that I'm playing this game, he asked me, what's going on? You told me you only read books <laughs> and, no, and demand to read books as well. But I explained to him, you know, I got payment. I got payment to help this online games to achieve another level. And he, he was surprised. What? 
someone is so stupid to pay you instead of me. I play uh, online games all, all my life, <laughs> but you only play uh, because of payment. So yeah, it's funny, but uh, for me, it's important to understand the product. If I have no experience, it's tough to understand customers. Can you tell how you learn the product before uh, collecting data about customers? Uh, do you need to feel in your skin? I mean, like uh, to have personal experience with products or you can learn another way? <laughs> Um, I love this question because I, um, I was about to ask you, okay, but you're experiencing the product, but you aren't the target audience. So the way you experience the product isn't necessarily the way their customers would. So mm -hmm. for us, I mean, we've worked with really, really different types of companies. I mean, we've worked with banks, we've worked with cybersecurity, super complex products. We worked with a QA software. Mm -hmm. We've done e-commerce, um, a lot of B2B stuff um, that's complex and hard, like a project management solution. Or um, right now we're working with Bitly, um, which, you know, they have multiple products and you have to think about the different types of products. So for us, um, we actually start with the audience first before the product itself. Mm -hmm. Um, because the audience also teaches us a lot about the product. Um, we generally do look obviously into how this product works and what are the features and what's the technology um, and pricing. Um, but I have to say that that's what everyone does, right? When you think about, you ask anyone, you know, why do people buy from you? The first thing they'll say to you is, you know, these are our features and this is the technology and we use AI and this is the pricing. But people don't really understand why people buy from them. So for us, our first step is always research with audience and it's always to uncover who we're actually speaking to because a lot of the times we'll learn through the customers what the product really is. You can be going online and saying all these things, but just as your son said to you, why are they paying you? They should be paying me. It's exactly that. You could get all these conceptions about what this game is because it's you, but you're not the audience, your son is. So we always start with the audience and then the product. Yeah, I, I joined this audience, you know, when I play this game, I joined. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, um, uh, for a while. Uh, and uh, for example, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to play these games again. Um, I got experience. I learned how it works. Of course, it's important to learn about the audience. It's interesting about these games that if we check uh, the average data, uh, young people usually play online games, but uh, these games uh, are related to card games and their audience plus uh, 60 years people, adult people. Uh, and uh, uh, I collected data in different ways uh, by using data from this company, third-party data. And um, I want to ask your methods how to collect data. Um, and I'm curious about that because uh, I have a few speakers on my podcast who told me they use AI to collect data or uh, measure the data. I, I'm not sure, can we rely today on AI? Uh, okay, we can submit data and ask, please give uh, tips, I don't know, <laughs> any suggestions how to use this data, but uh, tell your methods uh, how it works for you. Yeah, I'm not a big advocate for AI, um, substituting people. And we use AI a lot in our team for discovery, for research. Um, but when you're writing copy or messaging, or you are speaking to someone, you need a human being. Um, we actually ran a, ran a test a, a while ago. Um, for about two weeks, we sent 
two emails to our audience. One that was written by me, one was generated by AI, and my emails outperformed by a lot, and not because it's me. I really do think that we're not in that place yet um, that you can really imitate the emotion and the relatability and that relationship yet with AI. You can definitely use it, and we do that a lot with our research, to brainstorm, to get ideas, to figure out you know, data and things that we're missing. But ultimately, when we're sitting in front of a blank page and we're trying to think about what to write, we're leveraging all the research that we have and all the insights and we're writing it ourselves. I mean, my team, not me, but that that is what matters most. So I think we're still not there in terms of connection, relationship. Um, it, it probably will get there at some yeah. point. Um, but right now we're, we're using it as a research tool. Yeah. Got it, got it. And uh, how you usually collect data? Uh, do you speak with, uh, uh, I don't know, with customers, with salespeople? Any tips how to do it right? <laughs> yeah, we do a ton of research. So um, we do a visitor site, uh, visitor survey on the website. That The goal there is to understand why people came to the website, what they're looking for, how they're feeling right now when they're coming to the website, like what's going on in their day, what made them come to the website, what's stopping them from converting. Then we do a customer survey. The customer survey is, the whole goal is to understand how they felt before and how they feel now. So the goal isn't to ask them like, did you like our website? Do you like this feature or not? It's more about when you came to our website, how did you feel? how you know what problem has this or pain has this product lessened for you eliminated for you um, and we're looking for words that they're using to describe the product their pain the unique selling proposition then we move on to customer interviews and we talk to people for half an hour 40 minutes um, and just have a conversation with them to see who they are what they're saying what what you know what words they're using um, and dig deeper into the different things that they mentioned in their survey. Um, we also do emotional competitive analysis. Uh, we do um, review mining, looking at all the reviews that they have or reviews of others. So um, this is something that I learned from Joanna Weeb. Um, you go onto Amazon and you look for similar products and you look at their reviews and you see you know, where there's opportunities. Uh, we do social listening. We listen to sales calls. Um, we also um, uh, kind of go through chat transcripts to see what people are asking for, what they're looking for. Um, we listen to demos. So there's a lot of collecting of data. Yeah, nice. Uh, you remind me this quote that the era of lazy marketers is dead now. So you need to, uh, to spend time to research more even than to create this content. Uh, I want to ask about something that you mentioned many times. Uh, I usually uh, track how many times you can s say some words, but uh, I lost my track when you say the word emotions, you know, and uh, you all also said about uh, what customers can feel. I think it's the same like with emotions and uh, emotions are different. Angry, happy, I don't know, name them, a, lo a lot of emotions and uh, how to choose the right emotions okay you collect data you know customers but how you know which emotions to use to encourage customers to take actions yeah so that's a great question jenny i think first we need to establish that every decision that's made in life is based on emotion 
we think we're rational, we're not rational. Whether if you're buying um, a service, a product, a heavy SaaS, you know, product, or it's you know, a watch, there's emotion involved. Um, our goal is to uncover that emotion. The two most important questions that we ask ourselves are, and I mentioned this before, how does someone feel before finding a solution? So that means what challenges are they feeling? What's going on in their lives? What are they concerned about? What are their roadblocks? What's challenging them? And the next question is, how do they want to feel after finding a solution? So once they've they've solved this in their mind, what does that look like? How would they feel? And this is super important because a lot of marketers skip over this. We're thinking about the jobs that the product is doing. We're thinking about the features. We're not thinking about the outcomes of those features. Um, so for us, when we're trying to uncover those emotions, this is what we're asking them. We're digging into those you know, feelings of what was frustrating you, what made you say, okay, I have to give this product a try. What have you tried before? What didn't you like about the, the previous product? Um, and also asking about when we're talking to, you know, when we're interviewing customers, how they feel right now, how do other people feel? What What is the general emotion? Now, ultimately, there's never one emotion. There's over 223 emotions that we've mapped out, and there's usually around three or four in there, right? It's not just one isolated emotion. It's anger. It's loneliness. You know, um, in B2B, for example, there's two repeating emotions that we see coming back all the time, self-image and social image. Self-image is how I feel about myself. Before finding a solution, I feel bad about myself. I feel insecure. I feel like I don't know enough. After finding a solution, I want to feel, you know, smarter. I want to feel better. I want to feel that I can take over the world. Um, I want to feel part of a community. Um, then there's social image. Social image is how do people feel about me right now? What do they think mm -hmm. about me? They think I'm not good enough. They think this. They think I can't do this. How do I want people to think about me? I want them to think that I'm the go-to person in the office. Those two emotions are very important they repeat themselves both in B2C and in B2B. So a lot of the times we're just trying to pull them and understand what's bigger here. What do they care about most? Where are they feeling? And then we leverage all that to write better copy, write you know, storytelling, better design, choosing better images, visuals, even mapping out the customer journey. What pages does someone need to see? What is the exact path they need to take to get to that emotion and feel that they're ready to convert. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, got it. Uh, I know uh, touching these emotions, it's like to create some art uh, in your writing, in your landing page, in design, and uh, it's not simple, especially without experience. Um, and um, can you tell, especially for B2B, I think I have um, a lot of, listeners who uh, work on this niche and um, I know it's tough to write landing page or any other presentation uh, that can touch emotions uh, even if I know emotions I need to find the way how to uh, create content that can touch these emotions um, and I think 
it's important to have experience. I'm not sure that AI can help with that. <laughs> AI yeah. have no emotions. Even if you ask, please uh, use emotions. I'm not sure that I, AI can do it in the right way. But can you tell uh, about writing experience, especially uh, how to craft content that can touch emotions? Uh, do you use special words, I don't know, quotes? Or you have some template that we can uh, personalize for for different cases. So any tips about that? Yeah. So I think, you know, when you don't have the research, when I mm -hmm. ask you who your customers are and you tell me their gender, their age, geographical location and browser, if you have to write copy, you're going to be staring at a blank Google Doc for a long time. But when you've done the research I just mentioned, it's actually so much easier to write content and copy because first, the first thing you'll do is you'll go to your website or you'll go to your blog or you'll go to your ads and you'll suddenly notice that you're saying the wrong things or that you're highlighting the wrong things or that you're using images that don't even relate to your customers. So it's easier to pinpoint the problems. Then there are so many copywriting formulas out there, like hundreds, literally hundreds that you can Google. There's AIDA, there's, you know, PAS, there's like, Seriously, there's so many copywriting formulas. They're free. You can use them. Um, and if you're talking about AI, that's where you can leverage it, right? So once you know what the pain is, what you're trying to solve, what the emotions are, what they want to feel, then you can plug those in to a copywriting formula. Now, you can plug that into AI. It's not going to come out really well. Yeah. But you can say, hey, write this content for job description, this tone, these are the emotions we want people to feel and use PAS formula, which is pain agitation solution. It's just a copywriting formula that's been around for a hundred years, I guess. So you probably won't get something very relatable or very emotional, but it will give you those little pieces. So actually writing the copy after you're armed with those insights is a lot easier. All you have to do is use templates and frameworks. Um, I have a lot of them on my website, so you're welcome to download them for free. Um, and it really is just, the, you know, it's the good and the bad, right? You were talking about lazy marketing. The good news is that no one else is doing it and everyone's lazy. The bad news is everyone's lazy. So, you know, you, you have to actually do it. But if you do it, yeah. my gosh, like you could have, you could have such a competitive edge. Um, So I think, yeah, the foundation is research. Writing is so much easier. Even if you hire a copywriter to feed them that information, like here's all I know, mm -hmm. the content yeah. comes out so much better. Yeah, I, I'll add the link to your website. So uh, guys who can listen to this episode, you can download. Uh, and um, I want to share my personal experience uh, about sales funnel. For example, uh, we use organic reach a lot uh, to get traffic, uh, blog posts, video content. It doesn't matter. Many, many different channels. And uh, we uh, found uh, sometimes it's not a good idea to lead the, the relevant traffic to landing page where you want to convert. And we need to create pre-landing page to share a story when someone got experience with these products uh, and how uh, this experience um, 
has helped you know uh, to find the solution because customers don't buy products they buy solutions so basically we need to create pre-landing page uh, according to sales funnel uh, can you tell how to figure out uh, about that because i i often see when companies lose money okay they get relevant traffic but when customers are not ready to buy uh, probably they they are in in the sales funnel in uh, medium i don't know at any other stage so uh, can you tell more about pre-landing pages uh, where we can uh, submit our stories uh, to i don't know to prepare customers to buy in the yeah. next page let's let's take a step back let's okay. talk about the customer journey so when someone's buying a product they go through five stages in of awareness okay first you have the unaware this is someone that is roaming the world has no idea they have a problem they're absolutely fine okay they don't even know they have the problem um maybe these are your customers then you have people who are pain aware they are aware that they have a problem but they don't think it can be solved right they they're just like okay i have this problem it's fine in both these stages the only thing you have to do is talk about the pain you can't sell to these people yet right i'll get back to that again so you have unaware and you have pain aware then you have solution aware solution aware people are people who have understood that this problem could be fixed now they need to figure out wait should i hire someone should i use a tool should i use a spreadsheet um should do i need to hire a consultant how do i do this and then they go on to blog to google and they're looking for like blog posts and they're reading about you know they're in reddit and they're asking people like how did you solve this problem and they're like oh we use this tool we use this person i hired this i used a va so that's solution aware then you have product aware people product aware people are people who are aware of your product now listen this is the fourth stage of the awareness this is the first time i've mentioned that they know who you are right now they're comparing you to your competitors this is actually the only this is the first time in the stages of the awareness that you're supposed to start selling anything before that means you should be talking about their pain you should be talking about different solutions they've tried that haven't worked you can be talking about you know how being relatable you can talk about your experience but you're not supposed to be selling so that's product to it when you get to product to it you can say hey 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 i'm the best and here's why then the next stage is most aware most aware are the people we want the most those are the people that come to your website and they're ready to buy and you just have to show them the right cta now the reason i mention this is because exactly as you mentioned so many websites and landing pages and funnels just ignore all of that you get to a landing page and they're like 50% off buy now get this or there's only five left but people aren't even ready to buy it you, you they don't even know why they should buy so there's different ways to address this number 1 you have to understand which stage of the awareness your prospects are in okay the vast majority of your prospects are they unaware if they're unaware completely and you're like in this new thing you're trying to like say hey have you noticed how this is really hard all you have to do is move them to pain aware that's the one job you have to do if people are pain aware but they're like whatever i'll just live with this pain it's okay that i have 
back pain. It's okay that I can't communicate with my team all over the world and it's, it's terrible. It's just what it is. All you have to do as a company is tell them there are solutions. Check out these solutions. There's all sorts of solutions. And then you start talking about, hey, have you tried back braces? Have you tried crutches? Have you tried this? Have you tried this product? Have you tried this tool? None of it worked. You know why it doesn't work? Because it's not for you. Here's what will work for you. A dedicated person who will take you from A to Z, blah, blah, blah. blah. Still, this is you telling them why things didn't work. And then you're selling them on, oh, you need to hire a coach or you need to buy a product. You need to buy a tool. And then you can say, here's why I'm better than my competitors. And then you can say, here's the buy button. That was a very long answer, but generally (laughs) there's a lot of ways to do it. You can do it with an ad that's for unaware people and pain aware and move them to the landing page. And on the landing page, you'll start talking about their pain, the solution, why you're better. And then you're buying. If your people are, you know, if most of your people know your brand and they're coming to you, then often you can immediately get to the sale. But anyway, the key is understanding where people are in the stage of awareness. There's so many articles about this online, five stages of awareness. You can find them anywhere. I have something on it on my blog somewhere, and you can also read that there. But it's, that's the, I think that's, that's the key, understanding where they are. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree about that. Um, I'll submit link to your blog as well. So guys, you can find the article if you want to find something about that. And um, Talia, I, uh, let's talk about a, about non-boring content. Uh, it's very important for us to create non-boring content. Uh, and uh, let me explain why. For example, uh, I check the data. And uh, according to data, people are impatient to get uh, what they want to get. And uh, people bounce fast on YouTube videos, TikTok, uh, blog content. It doesn't matter. Just if it's boring, you can bring value about B2B. But who cares if it's boring? <laughs> and I spoke with Jim Edwards. And he worked in Business Insider 10 years. He started on this company from scratch. Then company was sold for $500 million. Great success. And um, uh, he wrote a book about, uh, say, thank you for everyone. Uh, Anyway, uh, he told that success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. It's important to uh, attract readers, uh, customers, uh, even if you share value. Uh, I think it's uh, you need to be great with storytelling, uh, how Steve Jobs did this job, how many other great entrepreneurs, Elon Musk can do it. Can you tell about uh, creating such non-boring content? I mean, like, uh, if you're not Kevin Hart, (laughs) it's tough to be to be Kevin Hart uh, because he spent all his time just to craft his uh, skills. But uh, we need to, uh, I don't know, to provide non-boring content. Can you tell how to do it? Yeah, I'm going to be a broken record. So here's something really cool. One of the first things I teach my students when you're doing the research, I want you to list the top three pains that customers and visitors mention. So when you ask them, you know, what brought you to the website or what were you feeling before finding a solution, you're going to ask many, many, many people and you're going to get a lot of answers. And ultimately you're going to see themes. I want you to write down the top three pains that people mention before finding a solution. 
how, you know, and, and, it, and it could be anything. But the key, why this is so cool is because then you can write entire content pieces about each of these pains. So for example, you take the number one pain. Um, we were recently working with Upright, which is a cool product. You place it on your back and basically it, whenever you slouch, it kind of vibrates and it reminds you to sit up straight and it helps you fix your posture. I it's need it. It's, I know. You, you sold to me. <laughs> we all need it. It's a brilliant product. It actually works. I'm not an affiliate. I just really yeah. love them and the product. But here's the thing. When we did our research, of course, back pain and shoulder pain and I'm sitting in front of my computer came up a lot. But one pain that kept coming up again and again and again was the guilt. So many people felt guilty about knowing that they should fix their posture, starting the day out saying, today I'm going to work on it. You know, they've bought all these things, but it never works. And they have kind of like shame slash guilt about not fixing their posture. This isn't something I would have thought about, right? I uncovered it in our research. But then what we did is we took that and we wrote a series of emails and we wrote blog posts and we actually added a whole section on the homepage about guilt. Poor posture is not your fault, but there is something you can do about it. And we, and the whole thing is, you know, we all slouch, we all forget to, and that's okay. It happens. And here's a product that will let you forget, but still fix your posture. So when, it, when you are able to uncover those three top pains, or four or five pains that lead people. I think a lot of times people rush into like writing everything on one page or one email to cover everything. No, yeah. one email about one pain, one blog post about one pain. It is so strong. And then it's not boring because you're yeah. using real case studies, you're talking about it, you're bringing quotes, you're bringing data. And that that is what makes exciting content that people want to read. Yeah, yeah, simplicity is very important uh, to simplify experience because customers can sometimes you can confuse them what to do if you share a lot of benefits. And uh, yeah, I, I know about that. Uh, it's better to simplify as much as possible. And uh, let's talk about mistakes. I love this topic to share some mistakes. I, I know companies can lose a lot of money because of mistakes. Um, I remember when uh, one company lost 500k in paid marketing uh, to get zero leads, nothing, no, no. you know, in invested a lot of money. Uh, and uh, uh, I think it's part of marketing to experiment, to test, uh, and sometimes it's expensive. Uh, for example, um, when I decided to start my PR campaigns, uh, we paid six thousand dollars for one press release to write and pitch uh, but we needed 12 press releases a week it's like seventy two thousand dollars it's a lot so what we did um, i started to write myself I, I wrote a bunch of press releases i pitched all of them i got zero mentions zero results nothing but i learned how it works then i explained to my offers who can write to forbes investor pay the big website i explained look at you can create evergreen content but we need different format for journalists uh, to share press releases about breaking uh, news, about trending topics, to bring something new, valuable uh, with your expert opinion. And uh, then we crafted the process for around six months. 
almost three months without any results. Three months we got some results, but then we got mentions on CNN, Bloomberg, Business Insider, Investopedia, Coindesk, MSN, Yahoo, big websites, big websites. And today we can save a lot of money because of doing mistakes. Uh, finding the way how to provide results and uh, i think um, uh, all companies can have such experience but in paid marketing you need to pay a lot you know you can lose a lot of money uh, can you tell how to minimize this risk i mean like okay if it's part of the marketing to learn to experiment but uh, how to minimize the risk of uh, losing a lot of money i mean like to just to lose a small amount of money <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on the campaign that you're running and what you're trying to do. Um, there are big mistakes that companies make on their websites and on their funnels, especially on paid landing pages. One of the biggest mistakes that I see is that people make landing pages about themselves, right? They don't actually make it about the customer. They talk about themselves, their features, their pricing, everything to do with them, and they forget to point out the customer. I think you can't really avoid huge mistakes because part of CRO is learning. But I think you need to also shift the that conversation in your mind and within the company that ultimately you are learning and you can run smaller tests and you can try smaller things and you can, you know, one of, one of my favorite ways is that if we've uncovered this new strategy, we're like, wow, we should really try. Like we have this hypothesis. If we try this, this would really increase sales. One of my, the, the easiest ways to go about it is actually to write a, an email sequence about it because mm -hmm. there's no dev, there's no design involved. It's a quick, you know, turnaround. We'll run it to a segment of our list. We'll, we'll send it out, ship it out, see the results and say, okay, let's test this on the website now. So a lot of the, a lot of the techniques for us is, you know, really focusing on what are we trying to solve can we test this in a different way um, and then add it to other things? Um, but you really have to avoid following best practices and, you know, following someone else's advice and really based it on what you know and what you've learned from your audience. That is mm -hmm. a big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, you know, um, everything that you share right now, I can see you show with your emotions. <laughs> I, I think you are I'm great. With videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you are uh, teaching us, uh, preaching about that, but you even show. <laughs> I'm very show enthusiastic about this. I mean, it's funny. I'm always, uh, that's one of the biggest things. Whenever I talk about it, everyone can say, I can tell you love your job. And I'm like, <laughs> I love it. It's so good. That's, yeah. that's, I get excited. Yeah, I'll share this episode with my brother uh, because he creates content about accounting, but uh, <laughs> he, he usually does it without emotions. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Talia, let's talk about uh, your experience. Uh, yeah, I want to ask about this. Uh, you have uh, more than decade experience and uh, um, I found we usually get great results with clients who understand what we do. Uh, basically, if clients understand why we need to create high-quality content, what quality means, uh, why it's important to think more about traffic value than getting more traffic engagement, um, so we can get great results. If customers 
can rely 100% to do everything, it's tough to get results because you can't decide all their problems. You can fix all problems, but you can help them to lead in the right direction. You can uh, help with many attitudes, but it's tough to explain customers uh, when they have no even basic knowledge about that. So, uh, and I have students in my network who are looking for ways to learn from scratch. Let's help both. I want to ask you if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, it's your first day in uh, conversion optimization. What will you do if you do everything from scratch? What would I do if I was trying to make a name for myself? What would I do if I was trying to get a client? What would I do if I was trying to like learn CRO? There's like different approaches for each. Yeah. What, what do you want me to focus on? Uh, focus on uh, founders of companies who have uh, great products uh, or think they have great products, but want to promote to get great results and uh, students who want to become experts in one great day. <laughs> you know, I think that there's a couple of things here. Number one is that there's no, you know, there's no better way to learn than experience, right? So when I got started with CRO, the first thing I did is I just went and pitched so many companies. And I basically said like, I'll do it for like 5k. I'll do it for like 3k. Just let, let us do this. Like we just wanted to, to prove that we could do it back in the day. Um, you know, when I started, I actually had to convince people to do CRO. Cause it was like, no, 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 just throw money and it will be fine. Um, nowadays people understand. Right. But there's nothing like experience. So if you can get into just doing the work, yeah, that's, that's the best thing. Like that is the best approach. I don't think you have to sell anything for free. I don't, I'm not one of these people that would say do five projects for free and like live on bread and water. And like, no, um, if you're just getting started, there's so many cool things you can do. Um, and, you know, reaching out to clients, getting smaller clients, uh, do, running a, you know, proof of concepts and stuff, because ultimately you can perfect all the systems and you can create beautiful dashboards and you can have beautiful spreadsheets. And, but if you're not actually doing the work, it's yeah. not worth anything. So a lot of us, a lot of our work at Get Uplift when we started was like, eh, it's 50% done. Let's ship it in terms of like our processes, our frameworks. And then we were like, oh, this isn't good enough. Let's reiterate while we were working on the project. So I think it's it's really important to actually get your hands dirty and start working. I also think that a lot of people now when they're starting a business like to hire people immediately off the bat, but I really think you need to do it all you know, at the beginning to learn everything, to feel everything. You have to speak to your customers all the time. Um, you know, I was um, Monday.com's first employee. Did you know that? No. Um, ages and ages ago. Back uh -huh. when it was called The Pulse, I, I, they were, you know, three founders and me. And the one thing that the founder had me doing every week was just grabbing coffee with our, with our clients and talking to them all mm -hmm. the time. Nice. And I think it was it was incredible. Um, you know, I just driving around and like meeting people face to face and like saying like just tell me what are you using it for? What's the best, you know, case study? What it, and I think yeah, talking to your customers, 
getting your hands dirty and there's no experience like actual experience so i think that's that's where i'd start wow i i couldn't agree more i think uh, um, as i mentioned about my pr experience yeah i made my hands dirty Uh, I still have them dirty. <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> wash them. <laughs> so, and yeah, you unhided my secrets. <laughs> I usually try myself everything. I always fail a hundred percent. If I do anything uh, in the first time, I fail for a long time. Then I can learn uh, and craft the process. Even Mr. Beast, he spent seven years to buy the first camera. Seven years of filming content without any results. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, I've been doing this for over a decade now and I still do client work. Mm -hmm. um, and I've worked in agencies before where everyone's like, okay, you're promoted now. So like you're head of this or you're head of that. And I'm always like, I need one account. Give me one client account. I just, I want to keep fresh. I want to know what's happening. I want to be able to like dig into the data. I don't want to be the CEO that, I mean, I'm not diving into everything, but being involved in 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 client work is what keeps us, really good is because I'm constantly learning. I'm seeing where there's opportunities. We're developing new things um, and it just keeps you sharp. So yeah, you have to keep your hands dirty. Nice, nice, nice. And Talia, I have a lot of questions, but I will ask one question. I recommend to anyone to follow you on social media to update what we have because marketing is a quickly changing world. We need to adapt fast. Many things are coming. And uh, if something works today, it doesn't mean you can get great results tomorrow. Uh, so I recommend to follow you because I personally follow you. Uh, I need to get new skills. Uh, but I still have one final question about your daily routine, about your schedule, how you uh, balance between family, between your job, uh, how you start your day, how you finish your day, how you uh, prioritize things, because uh, I have a lot of people who are busy and can't do a lot of things. For example, I have a hundred things to do every single moment, but I usually skip delegate or do myself. So tell your methods about that. Wow, that's like a whole podcast in itself. Um, mm -hmm. I have two kids. Uh, my oldest is six. He's turning seven in like a few weeks and a four-year-old. Um, and I have built a different type of working schedule. So before I had kids, I think I worked like 16 hours, 17 hours a day. I was kind of crazy. Um, I, you know, wake up at five, take the dog out for a walk for an hour, um do crossfit then come back then like work 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 like all day even when it wasn't my company and i worked for other people i'd sometimes work to like midnight or more and it was just crazy um but when i had kids i realized that i could actually get so much more done because i just had to i had deadlines i had things i had to do and i had less time to do it So I actually slowly learned that kids are very good in optimization and optimizing your time. Um, my schedule these days um, means that I start work at 7.30 a.m. because I'm a morning person. So for me, between 7.30 and 1 p.m. are my best hours for deep work. So I'll wake up with the kids early because my kids hate me and they wake up at five. Um, so I'll be up from five till seven with them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my husband takes them to school, and then I work from seven thirty till one p.m. straight. Uh, deep work. That's when I'm doing like if I have uh, if I'm doing deep if I'm doing writing if I'm writing a book now. So if I'm writing a book, if I'm working on you know client stuff, that's when I do that. Um, and then at one o'clock I take a break. Then I go pick up my kids. I'm with them all afternoon and. Um, at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., I'll pick up for a few more hours because I'm working with the U.S. and all our clients are in, um, you know, in U.S. and Canada, and I'll have calls then. So I have quite a big break in the middle of the day where I'm walking, I'm out with the kids, I'm at the playground, I'm seeing friends, um, and then a few times a week I'll work more in the evening. Um, but I'm not an evening person. When the sun goes down, I'm falling asleep. So that's when I do calls and I'm like, get, I, I become more lively because I'm talking to people. Um, but I don't do any deep work. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of how <laughs> that's what my life looks like. Nice. Nice. Yeah. The, that's cool. You, you, you have this balance between family, uh, job. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, it's more important to have happiness. Uh, for me, I remember when I started one project because of chasing money. So basically we uh phone market gap so decided to create the best product ever and i wasted three years the three years we hired a big team we uh, uh, handle a lot of stuff but after three years i got it i hated monday i love friday <laughs> and i decided to quit so for me it's not a bad idea to quit if you hate something if you leave hating job uh, you will never regret. I did it. And today, uh, for me, it's important to have this balance. And that is why I'm asking about these questions. I'm interested about other experiences. I think my audience is interested as well. So how to uh, prioritize things that we can yeah. do. And for me, it's important. It's very important. If you uh, are unhappy in your family, how you can be happy in your business. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think for me, I mean, I'm at a point in, I mean, I couldn't do this a decade ago, obviously, because I was just getting started. But I really am at a point in my career that the more time I spend outdoors, um, you know, just talking to people like I just came back from a week in Arizona uh, with the Shine Crew. The Shine Crew is um, a group of women that we've been helping each other for a decade now. Um, April Dunford, Joanna Weeb. Uh, Tara Robertson, so big names that kind of own their own businesses or CMOs in kind of big companies. Um, and we took a week off to decompress um, and just help each other with our businesses. But we did no work. We were at hot springs and we did yoga and meditation. And I did more strategizing and planning in that week that I could have done in a whole you know month or two of blocking out planning 2024 because the more time I spend away from the office, the better I am at doing my work. Um, and I think that's something that that took me a long time to understand that it's, you need those breaks, you need nature, yeah. you need time away from the business to be good at your business. Yeah, yeah, 100% to improve productivity. Uh, Talia, it's a big pleasure to get in my show. I love this experience. You know, for me, it's, uh, you're so energetic. To share this valuable bombs um, i have no idea <laughs> if we had this conversation uh, without cold <laughs> but uh, 
probably cold doesn't stop you, <laughs> you know, to to bring this energy. And yeah, I can I got the feeling that you what everything what you say, you um I don't know you you can show on this podcast <laughs> on this live stream. Yeah, it's a big pleasure. Thank you so much. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Yeah. Um, so you can follow me on LinkedIn. So Talia Wolf, uh, I post there regularly and you can go to our website, getuplift.co. There are just so many free resources in there, um, that you can download and learn from, um, and get started with. So you're very welcome to, and you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn or via uh, the website. Nice. Nice guys. You can find the link and website in the description below. I recommend to anyone to follow because I follow you can see a lot of available insights it's a big mistake if you ignore it okay guys love you see you thanks for tuning in to unmiss enjoyed the show drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom see you next episode